Welcome back to Mental Not Mental Podcast. I hope today's show finds you in good health and good spirits. So, so far, the podcast has been doing really, really great. And of course, that goes all thanks to you guys uh, for supporting it, for liking it, for sharing it, for talking about it. Um, but now the show has come to a turning point in my mind. One thing to know about me is that I'm pretty meticulous, um, just in the same way that I'm a picky eater. I'm also pretty particular in the way my work is done and presented. Now, with that being said, this marks a new beginning for season one, as well as the seasons uh, moving forward. So over the next five episodes, I'm going to be doing a case study of yours truly in a mini series called A Little About Me. Now, with this series, my goal is to give you a glimpse into the thoughts that have come up throughout my adolescent years and how they have shaped me into who I am today. And as I was thinking about doing this, it got me thinking about how many other black people do what I've done, do what I did, um, and simply go through this. So I thought it would be a good teaching moment for those who are unaware. So this is going to be a five-part series, uh, like I mentioned, uh, titled All About Me. Of course, it's a play on words because those are my initials. M dot E, or I'm sorry, a little about me. Not all about me because I'm not I'm not conceited. A little about me, um, but a play on that because those are my initials. In this mini series, I'm going to touch on a lot of different things. We're going to touch on a lot of different emotions, and you are going to learn some things about me that you did not know before, even if you have known me uh, five, ten plus years. I hope the stories that I share with you will give you some insight as to what goes on in not only my mind, but in the mind of some African-Americans that you may personally know. And lastly, I know this is like a long-ass intro, but lastly, although this is the first episode in this mini-series, I'm not going to restructure season one. So this is still a part of season one, so you'll see that this episode title is titled, whatever I'm going to title it, 6.1, because technically this is the sixth episode of the show, but it's point one because I want it to be easier for people in the future who want to listen to the miniseries or if you just want to reference it, go back to it, you'll know that point one is where this uh, little mini section begins. It's also to make it a little bit visually easier for me to find the show um, in case I need to revisit, edit things, update things in that way. So with all of that out of the way, let's get to rocking and rolling. Welcome to episode one, Being the Only Black. This episode is part one of a mini-series titled A Little About Me, where we take a deep dive into the intimidating, unseen, but oh-so-relatable scenarios that black people tend to face when being the only black. So this is definitely a lighter episode. Um, we're definitely going to poke some fun at some things. Uh, but overall, what I want you to take from this one is really what goes on in our heads in really everyday scenarios. You, you know, uh, I think I feel like a lot of times when we talk about race, 
people get uncomfortable because they like to think that it doesn't happen very often. These are all outlier scenarios, you know? But no, <laughs> it, it, it really isn't. So I thought a fun way to do this would to put everything in a list format and <laughs> I'm going to talk about them as they they come up. If I can't relate to it in any way, um, I sh I'll still be able to give you some some background, some feedback, some advice going forward on what you can do to to really be better people. We're all just trying to be better people here, folks. I, I know what we're all trying to do. Okay, so number one. <laughs> okay, sorry. Number one. People have said to you any of the following. You sound white. You speak so well. Or my favorite, the uncontrolled facial expression that reads, Oh, wow. Wasn't expecting him to sound so articulate. Oh, these are my <laughs> favorite. So um, I actually run into this situation a lot, actually. Um it doesn't affect me as much now. Kind of poke fun of it. Um, just like, hey, man, you talk white. Like, yeah, I do. Thank you very much. Um, I will accept that, and I'm going to see it as a compliment because if you notice the way that I talk, then hopefully that means you're listening to what I have to say. So my particular experience with this one. Oh, man. Okay, so story here goes, um, my brother... My older brother, Maurice, had just come home from another session in the rehab center of prison, okay? He had just come home, and we decided to go to one of our favorite chicken spots, Pollard's Chicken. And it, w it was to catch up. You know, I haven't seen him in ages, and I, I want to tell him so many things. I want to ask him so many questions because I really looked up to him. And so we go to Pollard's Chicken, and, and I'm, I'm talking. There's so many exciting things that have happened to me recently so i'm giving him the rundown giving him the scoop i'm giving him the 411 okay and he's just staring at me right in my mind he's staring because he hasn't seen his his brother in such a long time so it's just nice to hear my voice right it's nice to see me animated <clears throat> in real life and not through a phone or through glass or behind plastic so i'm assuming that's what is going on actually <laughs> what was going on was the first thing that came out of his mouth was, you know, you sound like a white dude. Like, you, you talk real white. And I hit him. Like, I don't know what came over me, but it was just like this rage that just jumped out of my body, and I legit punched him in the face. And I want to say, ooh, I must have been between 10 and 12 when this happened because he didn't hit me back, but he was like, all right, cool. I'm going to buy some boxing gloves. I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> like <laughs> We're going to fight about this. Um, but I explained to him how that really hurt my feelings to say that I talk white or that I talk like a white person. Because at the time, when I was told that you talk white or you're articulate or you speak so well, I took that as me losing more and more of my blackness. And when I heard it from my own brother it validated those feelings in my mind by feeling by making me feel that I finally wasn't one of the blacks anymore. <laughs> like I don't know how to say that better. I wasn't included in the black community anymore and it really scared me. So my reaction was just an angry one and I hit him. So whenever I hear this you sound like you speak so well, I think that situation kind of helped me get over 
this this particular instance of hearing that all the time from people. But yeah, I I mean that was that would have been twenty. I say 20, 2003 to 2005, it's sometime in that time range, and it's 2020 now. So, you know, maybe that situation helped me get over it. Uh, but like I said, I, this still happens today, and I don't obviously have the same reaction as I did when I was a kid. But, yeah, I definitely still deal with this one today. So that's number one. Number two, <laughs> number two, becoming everyone's go-to black person. Now, I kind of felt personally responsible for some people's way of thinking about black people um so let me let me explain that i'm goofy right but i'm i'm intelligent right i'm goofy but intelligent i'm optimistic but i'm realistic okay so once someone knew me right once someone knew who marquise was what he was about how i acted um it was easier to approach me right but i always felt in my mind, uh, a little bit of embarrassment and a little bit of fear. I was embarrassed because I didn't want black people to be like, oh, no, he's he not one of ours, man. I don't, I don't know where you got this one from, but he's not one of us, you know? So I was really embarrassed that, that black people would say that um, and see me as, like, some, some kind of hybrid. <laughs> and then on the fear side of it, um, I feared that I was giving my white friends a false representation of black people. And that would further feed into the idea of me losing my blackness because I wasn't an authentic black in order to give an authentic black opinion, you know? So I felt I was representing black people in a poor way because I'm different. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm different. I'm weird. I don't know how to explain it, like, you know? Um, but I always felt like that. I always felt that... I was not a good representation of the black community um, and people, if I'm the first black person you've ever met or come in contact with or whatever, please don't form your opinion about black people based on me because no, not good. Generalizations are always bad, but when it comes to, oh, I'm going to use Marquise as the black spokesperson for all black people and they all must act like him. Oh, you're going to be in for a rude awakening, and it's going to be funny. <clears throat> okay, so number three. I have not been asked this in a while, although we joke about it. I have joked about this recently, actually, but it's being asked, do black people tan? Um, I don't know the science behind this, but yeah, we, we do because the sun is hot. And it and it makes things and it makes things warmer. So we we get warmer, and then in turn we get darker. So, yup, <laughs> yeah, it we we can we can. I'm I'm believed it at, at that because I'm also not a tanner. I'm not. I'm, have y'all seen my complexion? I'm chocolate, baby. I'm not. I'm not these these fake Valentine's Day chocolates that look all light and whatnot. No, I'm, I'm I'm chocolate, baby. You hear me? I'm Hershey's chocolate. I'm, I'm not Reese's cup chocolate, okay? I'm Hershey's chocolate. You feel me? All right. So, number four. Being questioned on why all black people sit together when they can. 
because we look the same like i don't it's okay so let me <laughs> let me explain it in an intelligent manner before i let the ghetto out black people tend to gravitate towards one another because we understand the struggle of what it's like to be black so our first instinct is not to go to another group of people but to our own but i also think that's a human instinct you know if you i mean it, okay we're talking about white and black because we're in America, this is country, blah, blah, blah. But put yourself in a situation that you may have been uncomfortable because you were outnumbered by another race or another race was around and you felt more comfortable just being with your own people, okay? That's pretty much what it is for black people. We are more comfortable around our people. We probably don't even know these people, you know? We usually actually don't know these people because, fun fact, not... All black people know all black people. We see all black people and understand uh, what it's like to be black, but we don't know all black people. That's not on this list, but that could be like 10.1 because there's 10 things on this list. Okay, so that's 10.1. All black people don't know all black people. But anyways, back to what I was saying. All black people sit together because there's something about being around your own people. You don't necessarily need to walk on eggshells immediately. And the black community, like we bond so fast, even strangers, people you don't know, we bond so fast with people because I feel like the black culture has three main core ideals. That's respect your elders, don't be an asshole, and treat people right. That, I mean, like, and the great thing about that is that could apply to everything <laughs> that you do in your life, okay? Like, respect your elders, okay? They've been on this earth a while. They know what's up. Now, I'm not talking about crazy Karens. I'm not talking about Karens here. I'm talking about the people in my community. So, respect your elders, okay? Just don't don't be an asshole. Like, and it kind of bleeds into number three, treat people right. But don't be an asshole. It's like you... There's always a right way to approach a situation, and it can you can take the high road, you can take the low road. You can have a negative reaction, you have a positive reaction. So do your best to keep it positive and not be an a-hole. And, of course, the third point of treating people right. Now, from what I've, from what I've experienced, I feel like black people don't see color or race initially and maybe initially it's not the word i'm looking for but that's not how we view people we view people based on who they are you know i'm sure we can all think of scenarios where two people have been friends one have been black one has been the other race but that black person refers to that person as that's my nigga that's because bonds and treating people right that transcends culture and race and all these other categories that we have on our lives to identify who we are you know i feel like if america was a country that was built on the idea of treating people right solely just based on their character bro black people would be number one at like everything <laughs> i feel like we just do that and whether it's we're taught the old um, 
from our elders, the you know the old ways of how they were doing stuff. But I just think it is something that comes natural to us, and we start you know dividing into races and, and color, ethnicities, whatever, um, because it's 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 what we're taught to do, man. It's 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 understandable because categorization helps you identify certain things but when it comes to people i don't really see a point if you had categories for people i think you got two categories you got good people and you got bad people but that's also an oversimplification and i'm going down a rabbit hole so let's go back to the surface so <laughs> the so that was what's this i got a uh, hair on my belly um that was let's see where i am on those yes why do all black people always sit together yes yeah, because we like being around people that look the same as we do so number five the oh man gosh the infamous i don't really see you as black so this becomes an insult the more and more you hear it i ha yeah I've, I've had this said to me before um absolutely but when it was said to me, I understood why. I am in a private school, predominantly white people. I speak very well. And I'm not, you know, in my, I'm doing air quotes here, natural habitat of being around other black people. Um, because side note, when you, when black people are around black people, it really bring, brings out the black in you. So you start having a ratchet ass good time and some other people are intimidated by that because there's a lot of us in one group, one area. And it's like, oh my God, what are they planning? Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, motherfucker. Like we just chilling. We, we vibing, we kicking it, blah, blah, blah. Anywho, I'm going to do a lot of side notes because a lot, I mean, yeah, because <laughs> they're appropriate. Also, if it's not quite obvious, I am not going from a factual source for this. This is a very uh, emotional response episode. This this little mini series I'm doing are are meant to be uh, a raw, unfiltered, honest answers. Of course, I have my notes here of these questions and stuff, but a lot of this that you won't hear me say. Oh, well, this is based on research from blah 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 blah. No, this is based on research of 27 years of living on the Earth by Marquis Evans. Okay, I've rounded up to 27. My birthday's in August, but like, yeah. Give it up for the king of tangents, Marquis Sevens. Okay. <laughs> um, where, where, the, where the heck was I? These notes, man, they're just really complicated. Oh, yeah. I don't really see you as black. So I have had this said to me, um, but like I said, it, for me at least, it was understandable because of the situation I was in. But it really is an insult because clearly you can tell when someone is black. Like, you can tell when albino black people are black, okay? It's just, and I'm not talking just physical features. Like, it's just you You can tell, you know? Um, so for someone to say that they don't see you as black, I know they're trying to say, or they're trying to say, I don't see color, you know? I, I see you for who you are, blah, blah, blah. But that is the wrong way to go about that. Because if you're saying that you see us for who we are, you need to recognize our color because that color represents our struggle straight out the gate. So if you say that you don't see color, then you're also telling me that you're physically ignoring my history. You're physically ignoring the color of my skin and you're physically ignoring my struggle. I'm not saying we need to deep dive into it, but like you got to acknowledge it, you know? 
things don't go away by just sweeping them under the bed and never visiting again. You have to address it. So when somebody says, I don't really see you as black, just don't get mad. Just try and educate them like, yo, but I'm black. <laughs> let me let me educate you, dog. So um, next one, number six. Oh, God, these are one of uh, this is one of my low key least favorite things to hear. Um, but I always brush it off with comedy, and I feel like a lot of black people do that. We brush things off with laughter and stuff because it's just a little bit easier to get through that awkward moment in that moment <laughs> um, than to go on a whole tirade and then be labeled as, you know, oh, he's a crazy, angry, sassy uh, black man or woman. Um, but number six is you look like insert famous black person here. Um, yeah, I don't like it. Okay, so a lot of people describe me as funny, humorous, and stuff. I've been given Chris Tucker, I've been given Eddie Murphy, and I've been given Tracy Morgan. Those are the top three people I've been told that I either look like or remind people of. Chris Tucker, Tracy Morgan, and Eddie Murphy. Now... Eddie Murphy was understandable because when I was in the Navy, I had a, uh, when I'd shave my facial hair sometimes, I'd just have a really thick mustache. Boom, Eddie Murphy, I understand. I'm a black guy with a mustache. Who's a famous black guy with a mustache? Oh, Eddie Murphy used to have, okay, you see the rationalization? Okay, cool. Tracy Morgan, I, I, I don't even know where it came from, to be honest. I think maybe I did a Tracy Morgan impression one time. And people were like, oh, you like Tracy Morgan, blah, blah, blah. And the most common one for me is definitely Chris Tucker. Just being animated, I guess. And at the time, I had low-cut hair like him. Um, and I loved his movies. He is one of my favorite actors, so maybe why. But I don't know. Those are my top three. But, yeah, I absolutely hate that. Um, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that, whether that be a black person or a white person or whomever. Um, but yeah, I really hate it. Oh, you look like such and such. Oh, really? Especially when they give you a bum-ass, ugly celebrity. Like, bro, like, how do you respond to that? Like, oh, okay. Number seven. Ooh, number seven. Um, this has happened to me a little bit more recently because I've locked my hair. But people touching your hair. <sighs> I'm going to say this in, like, the nicest way. Don't touch black people's hair. End of message. Like, <laughs> don't touch our hair. Now, if you have the invitation, cool, by all means. But also, if you have an invitation, yo, you need to write down the date and time because that is special people territory. Like, black people don't let everyone touch their hair. The people that have an automatic pass are mama, grandma, and maybe a sibling, a brother or sister, right? They'll, they kind of have automatic passes, but even the last one, the sibling, you got to really, you you know, they've you got to really have a strong relationship with them or they've always done your hair or stuff like that. So those are really the only automatic passes. Everybody else, you got to ask. Black dads, we got to ask. Cousins, yeah, you got to ask. Sally from freaking Starbucks at 8 a.m. in the morning, because we look exotic, yeah, you, you need to fucking ask. Don't touch black people's hair. Um, and I think that is because we express ourselves a lot through our hair, and our hair is so a part of our culture, and it represents so much of who we are, um, that for you to just touch it without invitation 
would be the equivalent of me just coming up and putting my hand in your face and I have no idea who you are, you know? Um, so just don't do it. Don't, don't, don't do it. That's the best advice I can give you. Just don't touch black people's hair. And if you want to, right, if you want to, to touch black people's hair, don't be afraid to ask. The worst you can get is no. Maybe the worst, worst you can get is, you know, you dumbass, how could you come up to me and asking me that you, anyways, but yeah, just don't, <laughs> don't be afraid to ask, um, but definitely always ask, always ask. Um, I'm not going to dive too much into black people hair because that's a whole show. That's a whole show right there. And perhaps we'll talk about that uh, someday soon, actually. Wink, wink, hint, hint, moving on. Number eight. Bing asks, what do you think during a conversation you weren't involved in, but someone is looking for the black perspective, so they turn to you? Um, yeah, this happens. I mean, I started private school in 2005, and I went to a private college. So from 2005 to 2014, 2013. Yeah, 2013, I was, yeah, I was surrounded by majority white people. I went to majority white schools. So this what do you think came up a lot um no particular like situation that kind of stood out in my mind but usually it resulted in me being really annoyed because especially when i'm not in the i'm just nearby the conversation you know you guys could be talking about something i'm not even educated in but you know hey marquez what do you think what do i think about what i don't even know what y'all talking about you know but whether this one is done out of kindness or maliciously, it's not a fun position to be in. And kind of giving or being asked to give the black perspective, especially for the whole black community, is like, dude, I don't have a spokesperson pass. I don't know what you want me to say. Okay. Number nine, people getting your name wrong. Now, <sighs> Yeah, obviously, I've dealt with this one. So my name is Marquise, pronounced Marquise and spelled M-A-R-Q-U-I-S. That's it. Now, over the years, I've had unique spellings and unique pronunciations. Pronunciation is not so much because I either get Marcus, Marquis, Marquise, or, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, as far as the pronunciations. Now, the spelling, oh, that's a whole nother. I've gotten M-A-R-Q-U-I-S-E. That's the most common mistake. There is no E on the end of my name. Um, the most egregious, the most offensive, the most vile spelling of my name that I've ever had is M-A-R-K-E-E-S. Who taught you how to spell? Like, what are you doing, my guy? Are you, like, trying to... Well, he's African-American, so they tend not to spell things very well. So how would I spell it if I was African-American? No, <laughs> just spell my name the way you'd spell Marquise. Um, so I've definitely had getting my name wrong. As I've gotten older, this has bothered me less. If someone sees my name and they're like, is it is it Marquis? I actually, I kind of throw things back at them. I'm like, oh, Marquis, you are actually pretty educated because my name is of French origin and Marquis would be the way you pronounce it if we were over there in France. But we're in America. There's an S there. I put the S on the end. We say it. So it's pronounced Marquis. Um, so I don't really get 
um, as upset by that anymore. So that people get my name wrong, yeah, has it happened? Cool, but yeah, it's something you get over. But number 10 is the dreaded situation of someone using the N-word and you having to decide in a matter of seconds whether or not you're going to educate them on the art of Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon and give them a little taste of the latest from Coca-Cola Company, a nice cold refreshing can to whoop that ass, or do you remain quiet, ignore it, and hope it doesn't come up again? Um, I have done both. Um... I have not consistently done both, and I'm probably going to be crucified in the court of black public opinion, but I tend to do it on a case-by-case basis. If I don't like you, you don't get a warning. Um, I'm going to speak my mind, and if I really don't like you, you might, you might get that ass beat. But if I don't have any animosity towards you, and it comes out, hey, Watch your fucking mouth. Don't don't do that. Okay, that that that's your warning. That good luck any any time after that. After you've gotten that verbal altercation, good luck. Um, if I if you know we're friends and we we have a history together, and you say it, listen. Um, we've known each other for a while, and I'm glad you're really comfortable around me. But don't don't say the word. Please please don't do that. Don't do it to yourself. Cool cool. That's how you handle that situation. And if it's somebody that you really like, that you really rocks with, like that's your boy, that's your, your home girl, that's your day one, and they're not black, and they're using the N-word, then that is when you really take it upon yourself, sit them down, educate them, so that if the friendship is strong enough moving forward, you've given them the information to inform others, you know, instead of just yelling at them and saying, hey, don't say that, that makes me angry, blah, 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 you've giving them a piece of history, you're giving them a piece of education, and now they can take that, if, you know, if that's their intention, take that information and, and, and send it forward, educate other people. So I think that's the best way to handle that situation. But a story to go along with this N-word one was actually recently, I was around someone, co-worker, not really my favorite person, but not, you know, my least favorite person by any stretch. Um, but just, you know, not someone you'd really particularly see me hanging out with quite often, unless it's work-related. So this person um, was telling a story, and while they were telling their story, and uh, we were all gathered around and listening in, intensely, um, they dropped the N-word, and they kept rolling like a penny just fell out of their pocket, and it wasn't worth it. And when I heard it, I looked at my friends, and they looked at me, and their eyes got so damn big, it was like, oh, it's about to go down. Like, And all I did was I looked at my homeboy, and I said, yo, can you do me a favor and step in between me right now because I'm a little, I'm a little heated. And I proceeded to, I turned around, and I looked at the sky, and I was like, okay, here we go, crossroads, what the hell are we going to do? I don't know. I'm still at work. I, I don't know if I should open that can, but I got a nice cold one ready to go right here. It's been sitting on ice. It's ready to go. It's going to give you that nice little... Ah, you going to get one of those, but that eye's going to be a what the... So, you know, I was ready. I was ready. Um, but it's like, you know what? I really like this job, and I really enjoy getting paid, so I'm not going to do nothing. But um, I let it go. I let it go. 
And what I did and what I feel like a lot of black people do, instead of going and talking to this person about it later on, <laughs> I just low-key shun them. Like, I don't talk to them. I try not to talk to them. Because, uh, you know, if it's work-related, I have to talk to you. But other than that, you don't really exist in my world. Um, I think the most cordial I'll be is maybe a high, but only if there's no other way out of that situation. So, like, if we're both walking down the hall and we see each other and there's no escape, you know what I mean? Um, but I just, oh, man, I, oh, it's like my blood boiled so quickly, you would have thought it was already going on high heat. Like, I was, I was hot. I was hot. Now, I've listed these 10 things. These are 10 things that I've dealt with. There's a lot more. Um, but these are situations that are damn near everyday situations for black people. So we're constantly having to navigate this road of being seen in all these different lights by this many or, you know, numerous different people that it's easy to forget all of the things that we deal with on a daily basis. Now, in my experience, being the only black person in any situation can present a wide range of emotions from timid and intimidation to being bold and empowered. But it's all a matter of how the situation is perceived at that time and the reaction of those people involved in that situation. You know, if you are the only black kid in your class and everybody's pointing fingers, constantly staring, constantly looking, whispering behind your back, then that's going to give you a feeling, a sense of you don't belong. Um, and it's it's a very, very shitty feeling. But if people around you are really, you know, take the time to, to reach out and not in a I pity you kind of way, not in a I'm excited to have a black friend kind of way, but a genuine human civil way of approaching 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 I felt like that came out of my mouth weird but a, a civil way of approaching someone then the interaction <clears throat> becomes genuine and you can feel that trust me we pe human beings in general can feel and sense that that false or fake emotion so um especially black folks we've got a high meter for that the the bs meter that black people have is very genuine and authentic. It was created by the Greek gods and goddesses on Mount Olympus and shipped to us a same day Amazon delivery. And as we opened it, it was dipped in the rarest jewels of golds and silvers, diamonds and other rare substances that I cannot name at the moment. But you get what I'm saying. We we have a very uh <laughs> very good bullshit meter. So, we'll be able to tell. Lastly, I want to say this. <sighs> to anyone who is the only black kid right now, to anyone who is the only black whatever in your field, we already deal with so much just for being black. So what I'm about to ask may seem like, God damn, another thing we got to do. But if you have the time, take the time to educate people when those situations come up. Don't 
ignore them. Don't let them pass by without saying something. If we want our world to change and treat us better, treat us right, treat us civilly, humanely, we need to accept the challenge of being everyday educators. What I mean when I say everyday educators, of course we'll listen to those with status, celebrities, sports figures, and those with, with recognition. But to us everyday folk, it's important for us to take every opportunity we can to educate because while those people may have a wide reach and a wide range of people that they can communicate with, so do you. Every person you know, every person they know, that is a wide network. So let's take it upon ourselves to not ignore those situations anymore, to when they do come up in a civilized manner, <laughs> gosh, in an approachable manner, let people know that it's not okay. Using the N-word, it's not okay. Touching my hair, it's not okay. Not seeing my color is not okay. Telling me about the way I sound, not okay. Being the spokesperson for all black people, not okay. So if we accept this challenge, accept this responsibility of educating in the moments that present themselves, I think that is one of the more effective ways to present ourselves, to present our case, to let people know how to treat us because if we're expecting all these things, we all of a sudden want these things to change because racism is bad, but we're not willing to teach, how are they gonna learn? You know, the best way, in my opinion, to learn is real life, everyday situations. This type of stuff, this systemic, systematic racism, stuff like that that goes deep, the roots of racism run deep in this country, it's hard to fix that with a, please donate to the link in this bio. Please share and like this post. We can do more than that. We can and we need and we should educate those around us. Because the quicker they learn and they get a grasp on the situation, the quicker they can go and show others the right way to go about doing things. You have to understand that this isn't just a matter of taking down statues that represent a dark time in our history. This is about changing an entire culture that was built on the backs of another culture. So with that being said, I'm done rambling. That is my call to action for this first episode in this mini-series, a little about me. Um, I know this episode focused on, on being the only black, but I hope it is really a teaching moment for, 
for black people, but other people alike to, to really take a hold of the situation when it presents itself. And let me add this as a side note and, and the final point that I want to make. When I give this call of action to black people saying to teach, take, take advantage of these opportunities, these situations that come up and, and teach others, that doesn't mean if you're not black, you can't do the same thing. One of the greatest feelings that you can give, one of the greatest um, representations of, hey, I'm with you, is to stand up, not for black people, but for what's right. So take it upon yourself, educate, talk to the black people you know, ask them their opinions. Ask them what's the best way that they can go forward and educate. Ask them to educate you because you don't truly know or grasp the concept of something until you can teach it to someone else. So after you receive your lesson and you feel like you have a grasp on it and you feel like you can change your way of thinking and your way of life for the better, then you're ready to present that to other people. But until then, educate yourself because ignorance is no longer an excuse. Not when we're all walking around with tiny computers in our pocket. Ignorance is no longer an excuse. So with that being said, that brings us to the end of part one in this mini series. I appreciate you all for listening. This is definitely something different. But over the next four episodes now, um, I hope to open your eyes to a little bit more of the way black people think here in our country. If you enjoyed this episode, you already know what to do, man. Like it. Share it. Tell your mom about it. Um, and especially for these these next couple, I'm going to... This one was a light, lighter episode, a little bit more lighthearted, but over these next ones, we're going to be definitely touching on some topics that are a little deep, and hey, but that's the way I want it, because this is the show, and I, I want you guys to not be afraid to approach black people, you know, and be able to have those difficult conversations, because when we start, when we start being comfortable with being uncomfortable, uh, that's when we'll start seeing change. So, anywho's. I'm going to stop preaching now, and I hope you all have a fantabulous day. I am going to have one myself. So as I sip on this water and prepare to edit and upload this show, it's going to be a grand old time. I enjoyed doing this show. I enjoyed being here, and I hope you enjoyed listening. Don't forget, you can get all the information you need about the show on the website as well is on Twitter and Facebook. Well, that's going to do it for me. And until next time, i catch you on the flippity-dippity-dip-zip, baby. Bye.